we're going to turn to Acts, the book of Acts, and I've got quite a lengthy text, so bear with me, but I want to read it so that we have the full context of the scripture tonight. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, we'll start there. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now flip over just a few pages to Acts chapter 12. And this is where it's just a little bit more lengthy. Just um, hang with me here. We're going to read verses 1 through 17. Chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, and so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly! and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. And so he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real, but he thought that he was seeing a vision. But when they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but she ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you're beside yourself. And yet she kept insisting that it was so, and so they said, oh, it's his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand he, to keep silent, he declared to them how that the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. For Lord, it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray, Lord, that you would help me, Lord Jesus, that you would speak your word through me, Lord. And I pray your word alone would come, Lord. I pray, Jesus, that that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have this night. In the name of Jesus, amen. Tonight I'd like to talk about prayer, when they had prayed. It's been said that when we work, we work. And when we pray, 
God works. Prayer is the means that God has ordained by which He will work on earth and meet the needs of His people. We are never taller than we are when we are on our knees. We're never stronger than we are when we're confessing our weaknesses. We're never bolder in public than we are when we're quiet before God in private. The apostles in the book of Acts, they list preaching the word and prayer to God as two of the most important ministries. They became people of power as a result of their study of the word and the practice of prayer. Prayer made the difference. And tonight I want to talk about prayer. I know that was a lengthy text, but I wanted you to hear those two. There's so many places where it talks about prayer. But I want to talk about how, first of all, prayer shakes things up. Did you see in the text that we read how that prayer shakes things up? Remember in 431 it said, when they had prayed in the place where they were assembled together was shaken was shaken. Now we don't have time to go back and read before what had happened, but what had brought this all about is that there was a layman that was brought every day to the gate called Beautiful. It was the gate that they went through to go to pray at the hour of prayer. And Peter and John were on their way to prayer. And this man for 40, over 40 years, the scripture says that they would carry him and lay him at the gate to beg of alms or money. And so when Peter and John are coming along and, and he's looking at them and Peter said, look upon us, and of course he's expecting money, but Peter said, gold and silver I don't have, but what I do have is in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he picked him up by the right hand and he not only stood, it said that immediately that his ankle bones and his feet began to have strength. Now can you imagine after 40 some years, he never walked before, they said, from his mother's womb. So he never walked. And he was sitting there day after day after day, and then God touched him. I think I would be leaping too. I think I would be a little happy too to know what God had done for me that I could not do for myself. So this is where we find our text in Acts chapter 4, how that Peter and John had called upon the name of Jesus, and this man was healed. And so this man, of course, is following them into the temple, and the people know this man because they see him every day, probably multiple times a day. And now he's up walking and leaping and rejoicing. They can't deny that that's a miracle. There's no way that this man could walk. And so now they're looking at Peter and John, and they're saying, now, why are you looking at us? It's not us. It's in the one that you crucified. It's in him and faith in his name that this man is made whole. And so they're consoling together and trying to figure out what to do with these men because they, they're kind of afraid of the people. The people are amazed at this miracle, so they're, they're going to put him in custody overnight. And they're trying to discuss. Now, even in the midst of all of this, you remember in Acts 2 how that 3,000 were saved and now 5,000 more were saved. Even though that they're going to put him in custody, God was still working and bringing people to him. But it came to pass that all of these men began to uh, get together and decide what to do with these men. And this is where we find them, that when they went and they had prayed and the place where they were assembled was shaken. 
Also in Acts chapter 16, and I didn't have you turn there, but Acts chapter 16, 25 and 26, it says, At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and prisoners were listening to them. People are listening to you and watching your life. Be careful how we live. Amen? But suddenly there was a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. So Paul and Silas are in prison and they begin to pray and the place is shaken. And we find that Peter, they had put them in custody, Peter and John, and when they went to their companions to ask for prayer, the place was shaken. There was a shaking in the house. And there was, uh, with the same thing with Acts chapter 16, there had been a young girl that was a fortune teller and they had, uh, the Lord had delivered her. And so they're angry again and they're putting them into custody. But you can't stop the power of God. Prayer becomes powerful when it is in harmony with the will of God. I love this scripture. It's become one of my favorite scriptures. 1 John 5, it says, Now this is the confidence confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and he knows that if we can know that if he hears us whatever we ask we know that we will have the petitions that we have asked of him now Peter had sat going back to Acts 4 where he was amongst all these elders and uh, spiritual authorities, the high priest was there and, and the Pharisees trying to decide what to do with these men. And, you know, he wasn't intimidated. It says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he said, you know, if you've judged us this day for doing this good de deed of this man being healed, then that, you know, whatever. But we do this by the name of Jesus. And they just forbid them to speak in the name of Jesus anymore and let them go. But, of course, they said they're not going, they just threatened them. They're not going to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. There was no way to deny this miracle, so they let them go. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported to the chief priests and elders uh, what all they had said. And they asked them to pray for boldness. Now, it's amazing that in this chapter 4, where that they're speaking with all of these Pharisees and these high the high priest and his family, and, and you know, Peter is not intimidated, but he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and they recognize that these men are uneducated. They're uneducated, and yet they see this great boldness in them, and they know they've, they've been with Jesus. I want that to be said of me that I've been with Jesus. They know by my life that I've been with Jesus. I may not be, you know, educated or have these things, but Jesus, when Jesus is in your life, it will make a difference. But they said they noticed the boldness, but we see him going on and asking the people to pray again that they would have boldness. But there was a shaking in the house as they began to pray. Uh, they were praying for boldness to speak the word of God. Now, we already see that he had boldness, but he was praying for more boldness. Boldness comes as a result of the power of the Holy Ghost. It is the will of the Lord for believers to not only be filled with the Holy Spirit, but to operate in the Holy Spirit. Where you know We have the baptism, but the Lord continues to fill us over and over again. And we not only need to be filled, but we need to operate in the Holy Spirit. And this is what Peter was doing. He wasn't just soaking 
And I think soaking is great, but let us pour out what God gives to us. Let us take in and pour out. And so he began to be filled with the Spirit, and he was always the spokesman that spoke for the disciples a lot of times. But yet he took what God had given him, he, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and he began to operate in that. He began to reach out his hand, and of course it was the Lord that healed the man. But he extended his hand, and he began to operate in the Holy Spirit. He began to speak with boldness. So we don't only want to be filled, but we want to operate in the Holy Spirit by speaking His Word. We're filled for a purpose. We're not just filled so we can have goosebumps and go home and say, that was a great service. But we're filled so that we can be a greater witness for Him. It says that when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. To be my witnesses, not just to be filled, but to be filled for a purpose. And we see that in Acts 2, nothing happened until they came together and prayed. They were in one accord, and the power of the Spirit came and shook their, their life. The Holy Spirit will shake your life when you pray. When you fervently pray, and when they were praying, they were filled. Boldness belongs to the believer. It belongs to the believer. You know, I've I seen also in Acts that the elders had threatened Peter and John that they would not speak in the name of Jesus, but it did not stop them. And we go on to see in Acts 5 that many signs and wonders were done through the hands of the apostles, that believers were increasing and added to the Lord as he willed, and they put them in prison, but an angel opened the prison doors and brought them out, and he said he wanted them to go and speak. And so the Lord continued to move. He began to shake the people and shake the house, and boldness was upon them. And boldness is for us. We ought to obey God rather than men, they said. They said, didn't we tell you to quit speaking in the name of Jesus? So he said it's better to obey God than it is to obey men. Boldness belongs to the believer, and Peter is a great example. But there are so many other examples of the Holy Spirit's filling the believer with boldness. Stephen, Stephen spoke with boldness, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul asked the Ephesian church to pray for him that he would speak boldly as he ought to speak. We cannot be afraid to speak boldly for Jesus, for he's not given us a spirit of timidity. Boy, do I know that well. Because <laughs> that's me by nature is timidity. But God's not given me that spirit of timidity. But let him fill us with the Holy Spirit and power and be an unapologetic witness for him. If the Holy Spirit fills you, it will change things. It will shake things up and it will give you a power to speak for him. When you pray, things are shaken and things change. When you pray, prison walls start shaking at the sound of praying. Hearts of stone will start shaking at the sound of praying. Roadblocks holding you back in your life will start shaking at the sound of praying. Drugs and addictions will start shaking at the sound of praying. There may be suicidal voices that start shaking at the sound of praying. Our setbacks are just set-ups for comebacks. I'll say that again. Our setbacks are only 
setups for comebacks because what the enemy meant for evil, the Lord means for good. Just like Joseph. You remember the story of Joseph, how that his brothers threw him in a pit and, and all of these things happened in the end, but he said to them, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And in the same way in our lives, the Lord will take everything that's happened. He will work all things together for our good according to his riches in glory for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So don't be discouraged by your setback. It's just a setup for a comeback. They prayed and they were filled. In Acts 1 and 2, they were in one accord and one mind and agreement and prayer and they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They were shaken. When God speaks, there's a shaking. You know, when we're, we're talking about prayer and when we pray, we're speaking, but He's speaking back to us. He's talking back to us. We need to open our ears that we may hear him. And when God speaks, there is a shaking. When Jesus died and we're getting ready to celebrate Easter and the, the Friday when Jesus was crucified and that veil was rent from the top to the bottom and he said, it is finished. Things were shaken. You know the earthquake and rock split when Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus made the way for us to come into his presence again. I love this because in the Old Testament, you know, without going into a lot of history, that they couldn't go into the holiest of holies. Only the priest, the high priest, once a year could go in. But now, Jesus has torn that veil, and the Bible says that we can not only go into his presence, but we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. That means I don't have to wait a whole year. I don't have to wait for somebody else to go and intercede for me, but I can go into his presence because of what Jesus has done for me. Amen. He said, call unto me in Jeremiah 33, 3, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. He wants us to ask. Amen. He wants us to ask. When he speaks, things move. You remember when they came to get him the night of his crucifixion and he said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus. And he said, I am he. And what happened to those soldiers? They drew back and fell to the ground at the power of his words. There is power in his words. But he wants us to ask. He said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. You have not because you ask not. We need to ask and pray and he will hear us. He said, call unto me and I will answer you. Boldness is for the believer. Boldness in the Greek means to tell it all. The Holy Spirit will give you the boldness to tell it all. To tell the gospel without timidity without fear of people, without intimidation, just like he did Peter in the midst of all of the, the uh, authorities, but yet he was not intimidated or fearful because the Holy Spirit had filled him. When you are filled with the Spirit's power, you will not be intimidated by people or circumstances. So prayer shakes things up. Number two, prayer breaks off chains and opens iron gates. Acts chapter 12, verse 5 and 7, again, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. 
When Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise quickly and his chains fell off. Now I know I just read what I just read a moment ago, but I want to make a point. You realize that when the angel came in and he said, Get up. Get your shoes on, get your clothes on, a light shone, and when he stood up, the chains fell off. They fell off. Constant prayer also holds the idea of earnest. I thought this was really, when we think of constant, we think of continual, and I believe it meant that as well, but it also means earnest prayer. Literally, the word pictures someone stretching out all that they can for something, the stretching a muscle to its limits. They were earnestly praying. They were constantly praying for Peter. Acts 16, 25 and 26, again at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was that great earthquake, so the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loose. When they began to pray, not only did their chains fall off, but everyone's chains fell off. The doors began to open. Chains fell off. Prayer will break off chains. Charles Wesley, who is the brother of... Help me, Pastor Doug. Blake for a minute. John Wesley. John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist Church who I've grown to just love because I realized the connection in Pentecost and Methodism and our... It is just really neat. But anyway, Charles Wesley, his brother, was known for hymns. He wrote many of the hymns that we sing and some that we don't sing. I remember when I went to Bible study fellowship and they said it's a non-denominational thing and here's this little Pentecostal girl and I think, oh, I know hymns. They sing hymns. No, their hymns are different from the Pentecostal hymns. But probably a lot of the hymns they were singing was from Charles Wesley. But he was a well-known hymn writer, and he wrote many of the hymns, over 6,000, I believe. But one of them that he wrote was called, And Can It Be That I Should Gain? It was written in 1738, which was written to celebrate his conversion. That was the year that he gave his heart to the Lord. And it said, uh, the line that said, My chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose and went forth and followed thee. They were based upon the scripture that we're reading tonight. But you know, he had a conversion experience. He gave his heart to God and he wrote a song that his chains fell off because that's what happens when you bring yourself to a place of repentance and prayer. The chains will fall off. I hear thunder. Did you all hear that? <laughs> the early church, you know, they didn't have technology like we have. They didn't have smartphones and computers and internet. They couldn't just get on an airplane and go share the gospel around the world. So how was it, what was their secret to their power to turn the world upside down for Christ? Well, they knew the incredible power that they had in the name of Jesus. Remember, Peter said it was faith in his name that has made this man whole. They knew the power in the name of Jesus. When we pray through faith in his name, chains are broken. Every sickness, every addiction, every problem, every financial need, every relationship conflict, they all must bow to the name of Jesus. There is victory in His name. As a child of God, He has given us the power and authority to use His name to be free. To be free in His name. 
you notice that when Peter was in prison, he was bound with those chains asleep, and he was asleep. He was bound between two chains, and the next day was his execution, but he was asleep. How did he sleep knowing that they were going to execute him the next day? But you see, he was at peace knowing God's going to work this out somehow. And, you know, Isaiah 26.3 says that you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Peter was trusting in him. I'm found if your faith is awake, then you can sleep. If your faith is awake, you can sleep knowing that God is in control. In fervent prayer, there's nothing impossible for our God. There's no problem that can't be solved. There's no burden that can't be lifted. No storm that can't be calmed. There's no sorrow that can't be comforted in fervent prayer. In fervent prayer, there's no hurt that cannot be mended. There's no fallen that can't be lifted. There's no thirst that can't be quenched and no hunger that can't be filled. There's no mess that can't be turned into a miracle and there's no chain that cannot be broken. They were praying fervently and the chains fell off and the doors opened because they were praying fervently with passion. I didn't write this down, but there was something that got me the other day. It was talking about, you know, when we just pray and we don't have much concern with it, we're just praying and passing, but yet we, we want the Lord to have concern over something we're not really concerned about. But when we get concerned about it and we pray fervently and bring it to him, he's going to hear our prayers you know, they didn't picket the president. They didn't go around and say, let Peter out, let Peter out. But they petitioned his deliverer. They didn't pick at the prison, but they petitioned the deliverer. They knew the one that could get him free. They knew the one that could break the chains. They knew the one who could open the prison doors. So they knew that there was no need to go pick it, but they were going to petition and bring their fervent prayer to the one who could deliver him. Fervent prayer. You know, as we are in the process of praying, God is in the process of answering. When we are in the process of praying, let that sink in for just a minute. When you're in the process of praying and you don't know what's happening, you don't know what's going on, God is in the process of answering. Can it, now, can you just imagine at John Mark's mother's house and they're praying that Peter would be released. They don't know if he's released or not. They don't know yet. But he is. The angels come and they're going. But they're still just praying. They're in the process of praying and don't know that God is already working. They just can't see it. So they just keep praying and God just keeps on working. Isaiah 65 and 24 says, It shall come to pass that before they call I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. So while they were still praying, God was answering as we are in the process of praying, God is in the process of answering. It seemed impossible for Peter to be delivered. There were too many guards. There were 16 guards in those squads of soldiers. There were too high of security, too heavy of chains, too many obstacles, and the iron gate. The iron gate, no one gets past. The iron gate was one that was impassable. But it wasn't impassable for God. It wasn't impossible for God. Peter was in prison, but prayer was made. Prayer was made. You might feel like you're in an impossible place with no way out. 
and no deliverance. It just seems hopeless and helpless. It might look and seem as if your finances are failing, but prayer was made. My marriage is without hope, but prayer was made. My health is declining, but prayer was made. My situation is just too desperate. You don't understand, but prayer was made. You might lose your job, but prayer was made. You might lose your mind, but prayer was made. I think they learned a way to get cross things was they found the answer was to learn to pray, to bring it before the throne fervently, to go before the throne boldly, to bring our petitions to the deliverer, and he will deliver you. Amen. Prayers of ordinary people were powerful prayers. You think, well, you know, those were prophets and apostles and they were powerful people. You know, what, what good is my prayer? I'm just, you know, an ordinary person. But do you know that prayers of ordinary people were powerful? Moses, you remember Moses, he didn't even want to go because he had a speech impediment. He didn't want to be obedient to the Lord because he didn't know how to talk. He was ordinary in that sense, but yet Moses prayed and God spared Israel from judgment and used him in a mighty way. Joshua prayed and God caused the sun to stand still. Hannah prayed and God gave her a baby boy. Solomon prayed and God gave him wisdom. Elijah prayed and God sent fire down from heaven. Jonah prayed and God brought him out of the belly of a well. Peter prayed and God raised Dorcas from the dead. Daniel prayed and the Lord answered him in a vision. Jabez prayed and God enlarged his territory and blessed him. Elisha prayed and his servant's eyes were open when he couldn't see that there were more with them than there was against him. Prayers of ordinary people, and you and I are ordinary people too. And those that I've mentioned, there's many more in the Bible that we can find that believed and trusted in a very extraordinary God. They were ordinary, but they believed in an extraordinary God. When everything looked hopeless, they put their faith and trust in the one that could do only what he could do. You see, that's how God gets the glory. If you can do it, then do it. But when you can't do, a, you, the situation is out of your control. You don't have any way of, of fixing things. We bring it to the one who can, and he brings us hope, and he delivers us. We can do the same with what God did for them. He will do for us today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character never changes. We've got to believe him. We've got to pray bold prayers. Do what we can do, but trust him with what we cannot do. He is still the God of more than enough. He is the Lord of the impossible, and he still delivers people from prison. Amen? Maybe it's a prison of in your own. Maybe it's not a physical prison, but maybe it's a prison that you just can't seem to get freedom in. Maybe it's chains that have bound you with a situation that you just cannot get free in. He still delivers from prison. He still breaks chains. He still opens iron gates. Those places in our lives where we see no way out. Where we've been here so long and it's impossible. It's unbreakable, undefeatable, and impassable like the iron gates. But that's where the prayer that he wants to answer because he will receive the glory. 
just like that lame man that they knew there was no way that that had to be God. Forty years he sat there. There's no way they could deny it. And in the same way, the Lord wants to do for you what only he can do, that no one can deny. It was the hand of God. It's for his glory. So he wants us to ask. He wants us to pray that his prayer, he wants us to, he wants to answer but we've got to give it to him. He will receive the glory, release it to him. But we have not because we ask not. We serve the God who does exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. A lot of times we quote part of that scripture and we don't quote the last of it, or I do, I'm guilty of that, but the power of the Spirit that works in us. You know, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. If we would catch that and just realize that the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. So we know that he can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. So prayer not only shakes things up, prayer not only breaks chains off and opens prison doors, but prayer profits much. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Powerful and effective prayer of a righteous person. Profits much. Avail means profit. Profits much. The profit of your prayers far outweighs the pondering of your problems. You can sit and ponder on it and worry about it, but it's not going to do much good, is it? It's not going to profit you much, but the Bible says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, and you say, well, I'm not righteous. Yes, you are, because if you are in Christ, you are righteous. It's not by our righteousness. The Bible says our righteousness isn't but a filthy, dirty rag. None of us would be righteous, but it's what he's done for us. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of of God. We are his righteousness. So when we pray and we pray fervently towards him and we bring it to him, it profits much. Don't just sit and ponder on your problems, but bring it to God in prayer. He's not exhausted his working in us. He's not exhausted working in us. We may feel that way at times and we get discouraged in the process, but be patient in the process. Don't despise small beginnings. We remember that Jesus started with 12 followers and then they went to the upper room and it was 120 and then it grew for 3,000 and then 5,000 and he added daily to who should be saved. It, it was a process. So don't be discouraged in the process when God is answering your prayer. Be patient and continue to pray. Continue to seek. Keep praying. Keep pressing. Hold on to your progress. There's no limitation when God's people pray. There's no limitation. There's limitations with us, but there's no limitations with the one that we serve, with our deliverer. The very powers of darkness are paralyzed by the prayers of God's people. Say that again. The very powers of darkness are paralyzed by the prayers of God's people. There's a song that we sing that I love. It talks about that very thing that we sing, and I can't think of it right now, but 
that the powers of darkness cannot, cannot overcome the prayers of the righteous. They cannot overcome the power of God. If we could only see and believe the power there is in prayer. So I encourage us tonight that Christ's point, let us be a praying church. A praying church is a powerful church. A praying church is a fervent church. A praying church is a growing church. A praying church is a united church. A praying church is a believing church. A praying church is a soul winning church. A praying church is a worshiping church. A praying church is a giving church. When we are praying, when we're a praying church, we can pray, we believe, and we receive. There's no chain or gate too big that God cannot break. We've got to pray and believe him, and he will answer. His word says that he will. And if we pray his word, his word is his will. And again, we can be confident in knowing that when we pray his will, he will hear us and he will answer. The early disciples devoted themselves to prayer, and the church continued to grow, expand, and advance. And in the same way, as we continue praying and believing, God is growing our church, expanding our vision. We just have to continue to press and pursue his presence. Amen. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. If I, my people, he's not talking to people that aren't Christians, he said if my people, which are called by my name, would pray, I'll hear from heaven. Prayer shakes things up. Prayer will break off the chains and open the gates in your life. It profits much to fervently prayer and bring it to him 